Hello. Hey, friends. How are you? Doing well, doing well. I know you weren't asking me, but <laughs> I mean, hopefully y'all are doing well. You're a friend. They are yes. friends. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, I'm I'm glad you're doing well. Listeners, Hebus, I hope y'all are too. I'm Ashley. And I'm Tania. You're listening to another episode of your favorite podcast. Hugh, I do. The podcast that is going to make you like cluster rings. At least that's what we hope. So today's episode was a really good episode. We had a great guest and we learned. We learned a lot, didn't we, Tania? We did. There's so much in the history and Black history at that that we just don't know. Unless you took African-American studies in college or if you just love to research this topic, then of course you would know the history behind Cluster Rings. But if you do not, definitely tune in into this episode i promise you even if you feel like you wouldn't enjoy this episode i think you will just because this episode will open the door to you wanting to learn more especially about black history for sure tania you said it all we hope you enjoy Hello. So we have a very special guest with us on the show, a guest that I am so excited for y'all to get to know. Guest, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. I'm such a pleasure to be on the show today. My name is Tansy Ward. I'm an antique dealer, a fine jury specialist, and also a book author. And I just want to thank Ashley and Tamia for letting me be on the show. I really appreciate it, ladies. Well, we're so glad to have you on. Um, yes. Tell us a little bit. Well, one, okay. Shout out to being from Atlanta because okay. we, we're Atlanta adjacent. We're in Gwinnett, but <laughs> close enough. Yes. Um, but tell us a little bit about kind of like your background. Like, where'd you go to school? How did you get into antique dealing? Um, what made you want to write a book? Give us a little uh, like download. Definitely. So I've always really been interested in antiques, even from when I was a teenager. Like I loved vintage and antiques. And so I actually started as a naked jury for my, I think it was my 24th birthday, 2017. And I was like, I have all of these antique brooches. And I was like, in these different like random things, I was like, why not make a, a business out of it. So I got Zanakia Jewelry. I started the website, started selling um, jewelry. I didn't have a particular specialty then, but then over time I realized that I really love the historical significance of antique jewelry, which is at least 100 years old. And so I decided to, in 2020 um, get my antique appraising and collectibles um, certification from the Ashford Institute of Antiques. And it was a great experience for me, you know, a lot of extensive research, a lot of um, courses. And so now, you know, like I said, like I'm still learning, but I I am very passionate about history. So I'm like a history nerd. And so another thing that I wanted to do was write a book. And I've, I've always been really into writing, even like personal things and journals. And so I thought, you know, there are certain topics that is not talked about a lot 
in the antique industry, especially when it comes to people of color, Black people. So my first book was Hidden Legacies, African Presence and European Antiques, which was published last year. And that was just about different type of antiques that are in, like I would say, ranging from Renaissance art, you have all types of different eras that have beautiful antiques that feature Black people, whether it's portraits, you know, you have your sculptures, you have just different types of things that isn't emphasized enough in Victorian photography. And so I wanted to emphasize that. And my next upcoming book is about, um, I also collect antique portraits of Black people from the Victorian era in the early 20th century. It's called Unsung Portraits, and it's anonymous images of Black Victorians and early 20th century ancestors. Now, quick question. How do you come across these pictures and like, how do you find these pictures? Because I mean, of course we have the internet, but like, well, I'm sure that there's pictures that are not even on the internet. Definitely. So right now, when it comes to collecting antique portraits, one of the best places to go is bidding online, whether it's places like, of course, you have your estate sales, but also places like eBay when I have tons of antique portraits. And I honestly recommend and encourage people, especially my people, to collect these portraits because historic preservation is so important. And a lot of times these portraits are in Library of Congress. You have portraits that are like at Yale Cornell University has an extensive collection. And a lot of times we don't own enough of these images. Like sometimes I look at images and I'm like, I wonder who their descendants are. And it's not just for me to collect, you know, it's for all of us to collect because especially when it comes to younger generations, the elders are passing the torch to us. So we have to make sure that we collect these images. So a lot of times I just bid on them and, you know, get them from, you know, different online sources such as eBay. I try to make sure they're all original portraits. I don't try to um, collect a lot of copies, but like original rare portraits. And I definitely recommend people to do that in general, because like I said, it's not something that I feel like I should just be doing. I think that we all should really take interest in that. You know, it's not like something that's like competitive. It's something that we all can look back on and be like, look what we preserve, you know? And even like when I get older, I tell myself if like I have grandchildren and they don't want them, I'm going to donate them to like the Smithsonian African American Museum or something, you know, just so it can still be properly preserved. But these portraits are out there, you know, and sometimes the prices can be steep, but you can find some at good prices that are hmm. fair. Okay. That's very interesting. I would have never known. Yeah, me neither. But you're right. I mean, I know there are like a few Instagram accounts that like post um, a lot of the kind of like vintage photos or like photos from early 1900s or like maybe mid 1900s and older. And it's just so cool to like just see black people just doing things that, you know, because we're so used to seeing them, like you were saying, kind of like in these kind of like poor settings or like, you know, kind of down on their luck or like, you know, struggling or what have you. But there are so many like, you know, to see photos of like black people, you know, happy and celebrating and, and like having, you know, just or just walking down the street and, you know, just happen to be looking good that day or whatever. It's, you know, we don't get to see a lot of those. So you're right. Maybe maybe we need to be, I mean, because even thinking of just like having black art in the house and things like that, it would be nice sometimes to like have old photos not just you know like paintings and stuff like that but anyway so yeah. 
the side, but yeah. Okay. No, thank you. I definitely agree. I was uh, just talking with my sister about Beyonce's um, line when mm-hmm. she said, ancestors on the wall, let the ghost chip chat. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. I was thinking about that because I love that line. <laughs> and I love Beyonce. But I was thinking like, <laughs> like, I don't know if you ever, and a lot of us have relatives that have portraits of like our great, great grandparents, like portraits, old portraits on the wall. And sometimes mm-hmm. if you watch like certain um, movies about black people, you see that. And I'm like, yeah, like definitely. Like I want to have a wall where it's like, whether you're walking up the stairs or it doesn't matter, like, or a wall where it's, you know, my great, great grandmother portrait this here and so-and-so here. And I'm actually going to do that. I actually have some photos, thankfully, of like my ancestors from like, the Victorian era and also like the early 20th century. And I want to like, um, wow. yeah, I, I definitely want to get them. I would say like a nice wooden portrait. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully, uh-huh. like I have um, some relatives, like my grandfather and stuff who takes good care of them. I have copies of them. And so I think that's so important because you're right, because a lot of times, especially in historical reference books, when it comes to like what we were taught in grade school, it was not really a lot of uplifting images of Black Victorians. A lot of, um, mm-hmm. it was about like slavery. Of course, there was positive right. images, you know, during the 20th century with the Harlem Renaissance. But when it comes to the Victorian era, there's a lot of things that was not taught. And of course, when you go to college, you know, college courses, especially, you know, like certain courses, they do emphasize that depending on, you know, the course. But you're right. It's not a lot of that. And it was so much, you know, our stories are beautiful. It's sorrowful and they're all intricately woven together. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, yeah, there's sad stories, but there was also a lot of success and positive things that happened in these stories too. A lot of our ancestors were like some of the first people fresh out of slavery who attended HBCUs, who owned businesses, you you know, and when we think about that, like that's beautiful. You know, and then mm-hmm. they and they look sharp too doing it. You know, they right. may not have like tons of money and whatnot, but they still were like they carried themselves with a lot of dignity, you know? And yeah. I feel like that gets lost when we talk about black Victorians. It does. Oh yeah. It, it does. Well, we're and glad you're changing that. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, the shift topics just a little bit. We're gonna start playing this or that. Um, everyone knows it's a game we play every week where basically you pick between one option or the other and you explain why. So this week we are trying to stick a little bit with the theme, but we'll have you go first, Tansy, and then it'll be Tania's turn and then it'll be my turn. And then, um, we'll start back over. So to start, would you prefer to have an asymmetrical ring or a symmetrical ring? Great question. I would prefer asymmetrical. I feel like symmetrical is beautiful and elegant. And a lot of it is also when it comes to the style of asymmetrical and symmetrical, definitely like Mm -hmm. Art Deco really emphasized that. But I would definitely say asymmetrical. Um, I do love it when there are stones that are, like the center stone is set and the stones around it are like smaller in size, but the same size. But I do also love the look of the asymmetrical look where you have a lot of distinguished stones and cuts as well. But I mean, like I love both. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. Okay. Tania, what about you? 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think I would also choose the asymmetrical look. I honestly don't know why, but, you know, but I think it's something different. And, you know, I'm all about, you know, trying to do things a little bit different. So um, I think that is, um, that would be up my alley. And my ring, to be honest, is a little asymmetrical. How about you? Okay. Yeah. So I would agree with all of you. I would probably go with an asymmetrical ring. I'm starting to actually notice it more and more on um, like, I guess, as different celebrities are getting engaged and different, you know, seeing like the different trends of kind of like alternative engagement rings or alternative kind of wedding jewelry looks, seeing kind of that asymmetrical aesthetic whether it's like just in the design or maybe with the stones that are being used I think it's just kind of like kind of neat um Megan Fox recently got engaged to Machine Gun Kelly which is that's not the point but the ring was I think like a diamond in a pearl if I'm remembering correctly like there was no center stone per se because they were both visible. And I thought, oh, that's different. You know, like, okay, that's the way oh, we're yeah, doing Because I think, yeah, that is different. It's like I an think, emerald green. And, that's it. Yeah. Emerald yeah. in the, in the diamond. Yeah. Diamond. Uh-huh. And I think Ariana Grande, because it's not Grande, but Ariana's um, wedding ring or engagement ring was kind of similar where I think it was a diamond and a pearl. Maybe that's what I was thinking of. Yeah. But again, yeah, kind of a with the ace, and a pearl. I guess we're starting to see that more. So, okay. We're all on the same Interesting. page. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I like this trend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay. So round two, would you prefer a ring from a jewelry chain store? So like your Jared's and K's, or would you prefer to get a ring from an estate sale? Well, of course, being an antique dealer, definitely a state sale or like an antique ring. <laughs> I'm very big on um, being sentimental. And so, like, I'm not really, like, uh, a trend-type person. Um, I'm more so of, like, you know, antique, vintage, like, even if it's not, like, modern look. So definitely, like, a state sale or antique. Also, because they're very beautiful and they were very high quality. Like, you have to understand, too, when you look at, like, certain cuts, like the rose cuts from the Georgian era or Victorian era and whatnot, or even original Art Deco pieces, they were so beautiful and just, like, the cuts and, like, the quality and the history. So, of Mm -hmm. course, like, being biased, yes, definitely. <laughs> like, because I'm an antique dealer, definitely an antique ring or like an older ring. Not saying that the chains are, you know, not good because right. they have beautiful rings too. But a mm-hmm. lot of styles actually are inspired by original styles from other periods, such as the Art Deco period, which is very mm-hmm. popular now yeah. in um, the ring industry with the jury. So definitely, I would say like what inspired it, you know, that era. <laughs> Love that answer. Tania? I'm actually going to say the state cell. And the only reason why, um, you know, um, I was telling telling you all earlier before we um, actually began the show that my fiance, Brandon, he he introduced me to a lot of these estate sales. And and like, we will also go to like the antique markets and stuff like that. And like, when we first started looking at rings, it was actually at an antique market. Mm 
a lot of these rings are very, very like expensive, but mm-hmm. but they definitely have some rocks. <laughs> oh yeah. And uh, so basically, you know, I was trying on a lot of the rings um, at the antique market and he actually took some inspiration from the rings that I liked. And he took that into consideration into the ring that he actually designed for me. And so I don't want to say that the rings at at the at these larger stores, you know, are not beautiful, as you are saying, because they are beautiful. But I think I'm on the side of let's do something different, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's take some inspiration from the rings that our ancestors were wearing back in the day. <laughs> right. That's a good one. Yeah. I agree with all of you. Um, when I was ring shopping and looking online, a lot of the designs that I were drawn to um, were more from kind of that Edwardian style and like art, some art deco and like really some of these like older and even some Georgian, like some older style, like rings. And at one point I thought to myself, like, do I just want like a vintage ring or do I want like a new ring that looks vintage or has vintage qualities to it? And I mean, my ring has some kind of a nod to kind of like vintage kind of an art deco style because of like my baguettes and whatnot on my band. But it's just, I don't know if I had to pick between a chain or an estate sale, I would go with the estate sale, but I do understand the importance of the jewelry chains and like the, you know, just, they serve a point. Um, and not everybody cares about their wedding ring or jewelry in that same sense. And some of these, you know, the jewelry chain stores, like they have more of the kind of like trendier looks or like your standard solitaires. So if that's kind of like what you're going for, then you probably can find the ring you want at like a Jarrett or a K or Zales or what have you. But I'm too particular. <laughs> so that wasn't going to work for me. Tania, you're particular Same. too. Okay. I am. Oh, okay. I am. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> yeah, that's why Brandon went, up, went ahead and designed it himself right. because he knew that like I was very particular. Mm-hmm. And so he, yeah, he definitely got some inspiration and yeah. I'm happy That's with real. my ring. Because <laughs> I think about like people that like lose their rings and I'm mm-hmm. like, I do not want to lose my ring because I'm like, I don't know if the people like the company that made the band, if they'll still be making that collection, you know, later on, then now mm-hmm. do I have to like end up with, you know, a ring? I don't care. Anyway, round three. <laughs> <laughs> So would you prefer to have your halo shaped like a star or would you prefer to have a halo that's shaped more like a diamond? So this isn't really about the center stone itself. It's about the, uh, the stone surrounding the center stone. I will, I say that, like, well, that's interesting because like I love stars, <laughs> but also like I like the traditional too, like the diamond shaped, um, mm-hmm. the ring the stones that are around the center stone so but i would have to say possibly star (laughs) but yeah but like that's that's definitely very hard for me because i do appreciate both of them but i would have to definitely say star like smaller stones that that are like shaped like a star around the halo the the center stone i think that's beautiful so i definitely have to say star 
Okay. That makes sense. I'm going to go with the round. Um, I think the round is more up my alley. And I mean, that's okay. honestly what my ring is. It's a, <laughs> All right. I have a halo or like a round halo. And so that's more my style. So, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we'll roll with that. That's fine. What I meant more so was like, sometimes I've seen <laughs> where the halo is shaped like a diamond and isn't like the shape of the the center zone but it's cool it's fine we'll roll with that like your traditional halo or a star-shaped halo i think i don't know i like i've seen some like star-shaped halos that are really really like some rings like that that i'm just like ooh, because i feel like that is kind of nodding to the art deco i think but i think it depends on the ring like the rest of the ring. I'm kind of split. And I, I know you got picked one or the other. I know. Um, okay. For the sake of this, I'll pick the star. Okay. I'll pick the star. All right. So final round. Would you prefer to have a Morganite center stone? So kind of like a pink center stone with a white diamond halo. So like your standard halo that we're talking about. Or a yellow diamond center stone with an emerald halo. So like all the stones around it are emerald. Wow. You're asking some really challenging questions <laughs> for me because like that's, they're both beautiful. Um, traditionally, like Morganite is definitely like the traditional go-to classic. Mm-hmm. Um, I do love emerald stones around it. Um, mm-hmm. Beautiful. But I honestly, like, even though that I love emeralds for, like, a traditional ring, I would just, like, stick with the traditional classic, like, the Morganite. But the emeralds, very eye-catching, very beautiful, you know. And also, that's, like, classic, too. Mm -hmm. But definitely, I would just say, like, the Morganite, if I had to choose. Okay. You know, I was going to say, hmm, maybe, like, the the emerald. I don't know. I'm kind of torn. Between okay. yellow diamond, but I'm gonna go with the Morganite. I would, I don't, I think it would depend on what the shape, like what the whole thing looks like and how it's set. I'm thinking just color wise, I think I like the combination with the Morganite and the white diamond versus the yellow diamond and the emerald, though emerald is my birthstone. So, I mean, I get it, but I think it may be easier and pairs well maybe with more outfits to have the morganite in the white versus the yellow diamond in the emerald because then that's just like yellow and green but i will say if i've seen yeah i would say i definitely agree i was thinking mm-hmm. that too i was like emerald is even more eye catch it's beautiful emeralds are beautiful but yeah. when it comes to what is like what you can wear like every day that matches like out like different various outfits and whatnot mm-hmm. definitely a classic morganite um besides like the emerald and also some people yeah. you know because diamond rings are already like beautifully flashy because they're diamonds so some yeah. people may not be comfortable with wearing like you know the, the emeralds you know just like yeah. every day and I, I get it because like i said i love emeralds but if i had to choose it would definitely be just like the classic morganite that's a good answer yeah mm-hmm. i think 
Yeah, I would go with the Morganite, but I I will say, so my wedding photographer, I think recently shot this couple for their engagement session. And if I'm not mistaken, her ring was just an emerald ring. Um, It didn't have any diamonds or anything. It was like an emerald. I think it was an emerald, emerald cut center stone with like three, I think, emeralds like round shaped emeralds on both sides and it was just it was different and I was like oh okay I like that and I, you know I just like that we're slowly starting to kind of challenge and shift kind of what our engagement rings look like and not feeling like we have to have one particular look right um but okay so now we're done with this or that we're gonna get into this conversation which I guess I haven't actually mentioned it yet. Um, it'll, you know, if you're listening, of course, you already heard it in the intro. But we're talking to Tansy about cluster rings. And I, like I said earlier, and I'll probably say again, but I was really excited for us to have this conversation um, because cluster rings are like a ring that people feel very strongly about. Like there is a lot of, hate kind of around this ring there's a lot of um shade thrown around the ring and people that wear the ring but i don't think a lot of people one realize kind of the history and kind of where it started and how it has evolved in many different ways i think there's like one kind of aesthetic and one kind of thought when people think of cluster rings but there's just so much more so That's what the next however many minutes we're about to talk about is about. So, um, Tania, you could get us started. All right. What is a cluster ring? Definitely. So cluster ring and halo ring, sometimes they're used interchangeably, but there is a distinct difference. So cluster rings actually was originally they were called cluster rings during the Georgian era. And halo ring derives from a cluster ring, but a cluster ring basically is center stone. And then you have distinguishable stones around that main stone. But there's different types of cluster rings. And just like what you said, Ashley, people sometimes don't understand that. They think that it's like one particular aesthetic or look. But a a cluster ring basically is when you have your center stone, um, the main stone, and then you have a lot of distinguishable cut stones that are around it. Usually they are distinguishable as in they're not the same size compared to halo ring. And like halo is usually like smaller stones that are around that center stone. The the same size, excuse me, the same size and they're not as um, distinguishable. But halo and cluster rings, they do have mostly a lot of similarities, but there is that distinct difference that I think people need to also remember and it comes in various um designs you have cluster rings that are a little more like heavier than others more i guess you could say quote unquote more bulky i guess (laughs) more um Mm -hmm. bigger in size and you have some that you know are a little more refined and whatnot so but there's many different styles but they all come from that georgian era um Mm -hmm. when cluster rings first came about and if you actually study and look at cluster rings from like 
the antique periods, they're very beautiful. You know, mm-hmm. the Georgian and Victorian era, and they did have different styles depending on each era. But cluster rings are many, are many different designs. But it's just that that main difference is definitely that cluster rings usually have more distinguishable stones around the center stone compared to a halo ring, which a lot of times it's just all smaller stones mm. set um, around that one center stone. That it is usually not as distinguishable as a cluster ring stones that are around it. Okay. Okay. We're going to dive a little bit more into kind of like, I guess, halo and cluster later in the combo. But for those of us who don't really know our history too well, what are the years of the Georgian and then also the Victorian era? Oh, definitely. So the Georgian era was around 1714 to 1837. And that was when, that was actually before Queen Victoria's reign. Queen Victoria, which is, um, I specialize in my Victorian jury, that was between 1837 and 1901. She passed in 1901. So that was the end of her reign. But the Victorian era started in 1837. And also a lot of the modern cluster rings and halo rings, especially when you look at the flower design, it actually um, originated from the Victorian era, um, which was, between 1837 and 1901. And then of course, you know, you have your Edwardian era and your art deco periods. Thank you for that. That's good to know. Um, yes. Especially for those who are not history buffs. So <laughs> yes, yes. Were the cluster rings historically worn as wedding or engagement rings? Great question. So originally they were historically worn as engagement rings as well primarily, especially when it comes to the royals. The Arch of Duke of um, Austria, I believe, during the medieval time, during the 1400s, he actually kind of started that when he gave his um, his wife a beautiful engagement ring. Um, and then by the time the, I would say the early 19th century had came, it was very popular in design for a lot of people to actually prefer that look, especially when it comes to wedding rings and engagement rings. And then also during the early 19th century, a lot of like extravagant rings was not worn by just casually, not like regular people. So a lot of like people were very wealthy and like royal people and people for like different special occasions, like, you know, engagements and whatnot, they actually preferred that. So the cluster ring became very popular, especially when it came to the design of it with um, the flowers during the Victorian era. And then by the time the Victorian era during the mid, I would say the mid 19th century, a lot of people were actually starting to wear more like jewelry, such as, you know, necklaces and, you know, beautiful rings, you know, people who weren't, you know, royals or just like, just like middle class, because, you know, the middle class kind of emerged during the the Victorian era. So mm. you had a lot of people that started to wear a lot of beautiful costume jewelry. Like you would mm. see Barnett rings, which are mm-hmm. very popular. Barnett was a very popular stone. And you would see that, you know, like a cluster Garnet ring, uh, which is very popular. A lot of people would wear that because believe it or not, Garnet's was the cheaper option during the Victorian era. Hmm. Interesting. That's my birthstone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was about to say, what month is <laughs> just <Yeah>. kidding? <laughs> Good to know. Okay. So who wore cluster rings? Definitely. So primarily, I would say cluster rings, especially when it first actually became popular. It was a lot of aristocrats and royals and people um, were very wealthy when it came to a certain type of gemstones that were used. But then a lot of, like I said, Costume jewelry really became 
very advanced during the Industrial Revolution. So you had a lot of people that were wearing cluster rings and halo rings that were middle class and people who were not, you know, royals and whatnot. So by the time the mid to late 19th century happened, Victorians, you know, period, middle class, wealthy, they, you know, had different types of cluster rings and, and, and halo rings because the Industrial Revolution really, really was very innovative. You know, you had a lot of machine um, jewelry was made um, in factories and whatnot, a lot of production, mass production. So it was not just totally made by hand compared to the Georgian era. The Georgian era, everything was, it was, it, it was more crude because it was more, it was very heavy set because it was made by hand. But then by the time the Victorian mm. era happened during the Industrial Revolution, mm-hmm. you could, there were these massive catalogs and businesses that had different types of, you know, garnet cluster rings and whatnot and, and different types of jewelry that you could order because they were a lot of times, you know, doing it part by hand, part with machine, especially when it came to electroplating and whatnot. whatnot. So I would say definitely by the time the end of the Victorian era you know, a lot of people, different people were wearing, you know, those halo and cluster rings. Of course, if it was their particular taste and style. Wow. I don't think I ever knew that. But that is so cool. But I mean, honestly, even the breakdown of like, because I think back to when I was searching for rings and I would see like rings from different, you know, like periods or whatever. That makes sense. Like I never thought about like they were making this stuff by hand. So it wasn't as polished or like, you know, as I guess perfect or like as, you know, kind of truly cut clearly, I guess, as like the rings that came a little bit later because they then had the machinery, I guess, to be able to do so. Wow. Okay. (sighs) So I guess um, back then, like what made it so great? Like why was it that aristocrats were wearing it and like, if you were because you were saying that like the garnet was i guess the more affordable stone so like what were the aristocrats like what stones were they using why did they love that versus like a standard solitaire style like what was the appeal definitely so certain stones were definitely more accessible towards of course the wealthy like such as like diamonds and of course you a lot of georgian era cluster rings were like rose cut with rubies and whatnot and um a lot of times also when it comes to imitation stones and they call them um sometimes paste is another term for them as well what they call them but you had a lot of imitation stones that um developed throughout the late um 19th and early 20th century but before that there were certain um stones that especially certain styles of rings that were more popular with the wealthy or like royals or aristocrats. And because also they could afford it. You have to understand before the industrial revolution, there were certain types of jewelry, like gold jewelry and whatnot that regular middle-class people could not afford. Then the industrial revolution came and then you had like a lot of electroplating. So you had things that was gold plated, which was more lightweight and different type of re- um, refinishing techniques and whatnot that developed. So more people could afford it. It was also being more mass produced. So before then, everything was intricately cut by hand. It took time, of course. And even during the Victorian era, a lot of stones were still cut you know, in the old fashioned way, but it was just more so when it comes to the metal and whatnot, it was a lot of times, a lot of times helpfully, um, excuse me, um, machine 
was also a part of that as well. So I would have to say definitely it was just during a time where before the Industrial Revolution, there were some there were certain stones and certain techniques that were only, in my opinion, it seemed like it was open towards certain types of people who could afford it compared to when you got into the later Victorian era and you had more techniques and whatnot, then gold jewelry, you actually see more people wearing gold jewelry and also imitation stones became popular, especially during the early 20th century and whatnot. So I mm. think that's like one of the biggest differences, especially like diamond rings, for instance. And mm-hmm. when you think about who can afford like a, a actual like diamond ring, you know, even mm-hmm. now it's like a like a true diamond ring. It's a lot of times before the Victorian era, it was a different type of technique that the artisans used. It was of course it was more crude mm-hmm. and it was more less machine, but it also was more so you only see people like the royals and aristocrats wearing certain types of very extravagant jewelry compared to by the end of the 19th century. Costume jewelry was very popular among the middle class. So it was definitely like a change in time that was really emphasized by the Industrial Revolution. Wow. Okay. So with us knowing now kind of the history of the cluster ring, tell us more about kind of what it looks like now and all the different shapes and instances of a modern day cluster ring. Definitely. So a modern day cluster ring or definitely like halo rings are very popular too, which um, they, like I said, they definitely come from cluster rings. It would definitely be the Art Deco period. The Art Deco period is the most imitated aesthetic when it comes to the cluster ring now and halo rings. And you kind of can tell by like the streamline of the cut, like the, especially when it comes to like Definitely the the shape of it, definitely Art Deco inspired. When it comes to Art Deco era cluster rings, especially when you think about the inspirations behind it, such as, you know, the the different shapes and whatnot, it was definitely still being felt now because that's definitely the most popular type of cluster ring and halo ring is from the Art Deco era. And then, of course, um, the Victorian era, did help influence modern day cluster rings too, because the Victorian era, the cluster rings and halo rings were more lightweight compared to Georgian. If you ever compare a Georgian era and Victorian era ring, even the Art Deco ring, the Georgian era ring will be more heavy, um, definitely uh, more heavy, less delicate, and compared to Victorian and Art Deco era rings. So definitely now, one of the most popular designs in rings to me in general is definitely Art Deco. Okay. So that's good to know because I think just, well, one, calling out, and you mentioned it earlier, the fact that, I guess, halo rings came from the cluster style. And so there's the different ways of like where, I guess, of course, as we've broken down, how the cluster originated, but how I guess maybe the more modern day takes more notes towards the, you know, the art deco, like you were saying, which I'm noticing, I don't know what it is about art deco. I mean, I love art deco and there were nods to art deco, even in my wedding design, but art deco 
overall, just that time frame has a chokehold on the wedding industry. I don't know what it is right now about people getting married right now that want something from kind of that time frame. So I think that's just really, really interesting that it trickles down to even what our jewelry looks like. No, I definitely agree. It definitely has a doco. <laughs> like the Art Deco era is definitely, we have to understand that it was inspired by, you know, art. Also, it was also inspired by like, I guess you could say geometry, like the the asymmetrical look of the Art Deco era is very popular because not just because of the design, but the technique. By the time the 20th century rolled around, things are more delicate, more refined, the look that, that, that cut, you know, that square cut look where it was just, you know, simple, but very sharp platinum was being used a lot. So, you know, it was a lot of different influences. And also it was also social too. Like you have to understand women after, and of course you have to also thank people like, um, Van Cleef Arpels and, um, I believe I'm saying their name correctly, and also Oko Chanel, because before then, a lot of women uh, before World War One was over, it was like corsets, you know, like it was it was a different aesthetic. By the time the twenties rolled around, which was when Art Deco really took off, you know, you had a different, more freer silhouette. It was um, it was very chic, but it was sporty chic. You know, it was it was simple. And so a lot of art deco rings kind of emphasize that. It's more delicate, more refined compared to the more elaborate designs of the Georgian and Victorian era. And also it was a time where women, you know, it was like a lot of um, society changes. Women wanted to be a little more like it was it was different. After World War One, it was different type of aesthetic. When it comes to like the freer silhouette, the type of looks they wanted was it was more dainty, less extravagant, and um, especially if you emphasize and if you actually just go back and look at Victorian era jewelry, beautiful jewelry, but it was also like a lot going on sometimes. It was um even it even though cluster rings were less heavier during the Victorian era compared to the Georgian era. Victorian era jewelry compared to Art Deco jewelry, it still is more, I guess you could say, bulkier, more heavy, a lot more extravagant. And even the clothes that women wore, it was like very restrictive. You know what I'm saying? It was very like couldn't move around, you know. But then if you look at like the Clapper girls in the 20s and also Art Deco, you know, era and that era, it was it was more freer. So then of course people like Coco Chanel and whatnot, they also influenced that and you know Tiffany's and whatnot. And so you also have Van Cleef who made one of the first invisible settings on a ring. So like like you have all of that. You know, when you look at the rings of Art Deco, people really prefer that now because now a lot of people don't always walk around with like, art, you know, um, Victorian era Durian, you know, constantly, you know, compared to like Art Deco styles because this is more refined. I guess they consider it more sophisticated, quote unquote, also mm-hmm. more um, streamlined. Definitely. And then platinum was very popular during that era as well. So I think that that's definitely one of the major influences. Good point. Yeah. Just thinking of the evolution and just thinking of like even just the trends of engagement rings within the last 
decade or so and how that has evolved. But there may be nods to all of those points of history um, that you just mentioned, all those different art periods. So, you know, because we've covered, you know, the history behind the rings, what is the current appeal of the ring? Um, I find that like a lot of men are drawn to cluster rings. And um, I mean, even my ring, um, you know, earlier, like when you were um, explaining like the definition of a cluster ring, um, I was like, oh, well, my ring definitely has some hints of a cluster. So why do you think there is a current appeal of the ring today? It's because it comes in many different styles that you can choose from. Because if you look at a halo ring and cluster rings, a lot of times, like, it's that appeal. It's, it's beautiful. It's like the small, intricately cut diamonds or, or stones around that one center stone. That can be that can be simple design. You can also do like a very extravagant design with cluster, you know, more distinguishable stones. So I think it's just like the fact that it comes in just many different styles and designs that that appeals to people. Why are cluster rings controversial or seen as tacky? <laughs> Good question. So I just feel like it just appeals to people's personal taste. Like I said, some people don't realize that. You know, halo rings, you know, cluster rings come in, especially cluster rings, they come in a lot of different styles. And so some people feel like it'd be too much, especially when it comes to the certain size of the cluster rings, um, the stones. I feel like that definitely is one of the reasons. Some people prefer smaller stones or something, you know, I guess more streamlined and quote unquote more elegant. They may feel like a cluster ring, especially if it's like really big, you know, <laughs> stones, they may feel like that's like too much, you know, it's like over the top and whatnot. I mean, I think it's very important to realize that they come in many different styles. So, you know, it's important to not stereotype the cluster ring as tacky because like, like I said, if you ever look at original cluster rings from the Georgian era and the beautiful, delicate flower design ones from the Victorian era, they were beautiful. They weren't necessarily over the top. And then many of them came in different designs. You had some that were made with barnets, rubies, some were rose cut, you know, so it's very important to understand that. But like I said, it's also personal taste. Some people just feel like it's just not their style. It's doing too much. That definitely makes sense. You know, there are some beautiful cluster rings, but I do understand um, that some people may deter from it just because, you know, they can be a little bit big. But honestly, you know, these days, I mean, you know, you can definitely get them custom made, you know, so they don't have to be big and bulky. Um, they can definitely have a dainty appearance or a look to it. So. And I think honestly, a lot of the shade around cluster rings is really just classes. If you want to think about it, mm. because there are different types of cluster rings now in modern times, but the one cluster aesthetic that people usually think of is, you know, usually some of the rings that you can find at maybe a Walmart, maybe a Sears, maybe a, you know, maybe some of the box chain stores. And like you were saying, a lot of men do find those rings appealing um, and they want to, you know, give that to their future fiance or they want to upgrade that to their fiance or their wife. 
And I think it's more about what it looks like to them because men aren't for the most part looking at the detailed details. They just see this looks like, I don't want to say bling bling because we're beyond those times, but it looks like, you know, I, I got you something that's flashy, you know, something they feel proud of. And then I think there are some women that think the same way. Like it's kind of big, it's kind of in your face or it kind of brings a lot of attention. So with that being said, then that means, you know, like that's the value that person poured into my ring that they wanted to get me as we took this next step in our life. So it's like a really prideful thing. Cause I even think to like family members, because I remember like after, like right before I got engaged, like being around certain family members, I would just look or like just different women that I'd be around. And I just look at like what the rings on their fingers look like. And just all that, like mostly like the black women, in my family or like that I'd be around, they essentially had cluster rings, but I'm thinking some of their husbands make like six figures a year, you know, but like they saw that as like, Ooh, you know, I'm gonna get her something that, you know, everybody's going to look at, or, you know, it's going to draw a lot of attention. And so for like, you know, for a lot of people, that's just, it's, it's a symbol of pride, but for people that maybe care a little bit more about jewelry or maybe they're more particular about the type of styles they like or what their overall wedding aesthetic looks like. And even honestly, a certain level of like how much money you're making and, you know, kind of where you are in your career, like in your twenties or your thirties or whenever you're at that point, you know, we just have different levels of us really. And so, you know, we have some that like, Oh, you see a cluster ring and they gonna make a little comment about her. They make a joke. And I know I've done it before, but you know, I think it's just like, it shouldn't be as controversial or whatever, because it's like, it's not on your finger. It's somebody else's. If they like it, I love it. You know, especially if they feel like it's a symbol of the love that the person they're with, you know, like gave to them for that, you know, that stage in their life. So Mm -hmm. Anywho, so to wrap it up, our final question, we could have you here all day and all night. What do you predict the future of like cluster rings will look like? Because this has been, you know, this is a ring that has been around for over 200 years, basically. So with it kind of where it is now, where do you see it going in maybe the next like 50 or 100 years? Definitely. I see the cluster ring right now with the Art Deco period still being like in vogue and everyone loving it. Definitely, I see Art Deco still inspiring the cluster ring and halo rings. But I also feel like when it comes to halo rings, Art Deco inspires a lot of halo rings in particular, which I think that sometimes halo rings can definitely look different than you know, the cluster rings that you guys were um, referring to, which I definitely wanted to say, it's like I said, it's different styles, you know? So, and just like you said, if they like it, you know, I love it. So I feel like it's just everyone's different personal taste. But I also feel like the Victorian era is becoming even more popular. A lot of Victorian antiques and a lot of Victorian history and styles are becoming more popular. So I definitely feel like the flower aesthetic of the cluster ring during the Victorian era 
would definitely get back even even more popular because it was it was actually very delicate and beautiful and um some of them were actually very simple and not like over the top so i definitely feel like they still will be a top choice for people and i feel like victorian era and art deco era style would definitely influence it great answer Mm -hmm. great answer and i mean just like i guess the styles of everything we're all gonna just everything will repeat itself so Mm -hmm. all the trends of you know the past are just gonna circle back around and we're just gonna keep you know we'll be long gone and they still just gonna be circling around and around and around um (laughs) (laughs) but uh tansy thank you so much for coming on um the i mean it before we move to our other segments, do you have anything else about kind of jewelry or anything else you just kind of want to share? Like halo rings and cluster rings, like I said, they come in different styles. So I feel like people who are being like classes about it, they have to understand that like, if you know the history and the style of cluster rings and you know, like the different type of designs and you know that you can get cluster rings and halo rings in many different type of, styles it's been different you know variations so i think people need to understand that you know before they just automatically say oh that's tacky because like i've seen some Mm -hmm. beautiful halo rings and cluster rings that were very refined very beautiful very elegant and then you have some that are a little more you know like the stones are a little more bigger and it is a little more like extravagant and i guess you can say like you know over the top, quote unquote. But like I said, it's everyone's personal choice. And it's something that like, if you look at it and you love it on your finger, that's the only thing that matters, you know? <laughs> very true. Very, very true. That That's the takeaway right there. Yeah. Um, Honestly, I'd be interested in knowing mm-hmm. like, you know, because there were Black women in the Victorian era that were essentially at the middle class, like, were they also wearing these cluster rings? Like, were they also, um, you know, what were they wearing back then? Definitely. They were wearing the same quality jewelry that their white counterparts were wearing. Just unfortunately, history, people don't, you know, always emphasize that, you know, point, but it's also a personal choice. Like even now, how we have a personal choice, I'm pretty sure with some black Victorian women who they may have preferred a different type of cut, you know, and there's some people out there that yeah. just was like, hey, you know, it's all about, you know, being sentimental. There are people out there that prefer you know, a princess cut with like turquoise stones around like a center diamond. You know, like it's like things like that, you know, that was very popular as well. then. so it, I feel like definitely, you know, as long as you had quality jewelry, you had black people wearing it, too. You know, and, and lovely Victorian ladies, I, I bet you there were some that had beautiful cluster and halo rings i can see it i can see it now (laughs) that was a good follow-up just always wondered you know because i mean i do believe that we were also wearing these you know these pieces and of course like their husbands were buying these rings as well and so you know but we just don't really see or read about that in our history books and so yeah that's why i was Wondering. It's like it's assumed that we just had the lesser version of everything or like the lesser yeah. version of everything. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily the case. No, not at all. Just because, I mean, I've seen a lot of pictures, um, of course, online now, but I've seen some pictures 
of beautiful women. And of course, they were wearing the same clothes that the European women were wearing, you know. Um, and so I don't know. Right. Yeah, I'm happy that you were able to answer that for us. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate that. I think it's so important to emphasize that because a lot of Black people during like the Victorian era and also the 20th century, like there was so much that was going on, but there was a lot of elegance, a lot of dignity. There was a lot of um, good quality that was emphasized. A, a lot yeah. of our ancestors, like I'm pretty sure we have a lot of re- relatives that, you know, still have beautiful quality things that was passed down from generation to generation, you know, and it wasn't just like a, a money thing because a lot of people may not have had like a lot of money, you know, but it was still quality was emphasized, you know, and like that yeah. doesn't have to be about who's wealthy and who's not. It's just like they cared. And a lot of things, it's so funny because even the quote unquote, like even furniture and things that was like, I guess you could say people who were like, quote unquote, considered poor during that era, it was still good quality. Like if you ever look at like antique furniture and things and jewelry, all of it was, most of it was good quality. Like, especially like the furniture, like the different woods and stuff. So back then they just emphasized quality period, you know, like you could be about to visit the mic- the milkman or going to church or just go, you know, like, and they look sharp. You know, yeah. like there was women who knew how to like they had their singer sewing machines and they were like beautiful lace gowns they made, you know, beautiful furniture that was, you know, may not have been extravagant, but well made. You know, I think that's very important to, you know, emphasize and black people for ages, you know, we've definitely emphasized that quality. A lot of jury styles are actually influenced by African civilizations especially when you look at like the Art Deco era, when it comes to Egyptian civilization, there's there's other things as well, you know, and I think that's very important to emphasize and to not forget. Yes. We set the standard. (laughs) Don't we always? And we've always. (laughs) Yes, always. always. And we'll continue forever. Yes. Yes. Um, All right. So, Thank you for that history lesson, Tansy. Um, But now we're going to move into the wedding vendor love. Who would you like to shout out for this week? Actually, I want to shout out my mom. (laughs) She's a hairstylist. And she's like what I call an old school hairstylist. She really cares about your hair. She's so conditioning, massaging, or all of that. Like, and not just like the style. And there have been many ladies that have came to her for like wedding styles and whatnot. Her name is Cheryl Ward. So shout out to her. She's a like what I call an OG in the hairstyling industry, the game. Like she is amazing. I and love um, it. She, yeah, like she she's really good. She knows how to do it all. And um, you can actually can um, find her at um, Tony Anthony Hair Salon. Um, that's the um, hair salon that's on Cascade, mm-hmm. right across from the Publix Cascade era. So shout out to Southwest Atlanta. That's my um, <laughs> that's my um, my native land in Atlanta. <laughs> but yeah, my mom <laughs> definitely because she I love her. She's an old school hairstylist, and she has got many women right for proms and engagements and weddings and everything so <laughs> i love that all right ashley so who would you like to shout out this week oh my gosh i am shouting out this floral designer based out of omaha nebraska or in the nebraska area um 
she's in Omaha and Lincoln. Oh my gosh. Stella was floral. Girl, if you are not putting your entire foot into these designs, like this is so out of the box. Like I didn't know some of these flowers even came in these colors. Okay. This is gorgeous. And you know what? If y'all don't live in Nebraska for her to service you, see if she can be flown out. Fly her out. What? Let her get flewed out. But flewed out. Flewed mm-hmm. out. But if not, if 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 the pockets don't allow for such, use Stella as inspo when you are going to your floral <laughs> designers and asking and when they're asking you what you want. So that's who I'm shouting out this week. Stella was floral. Who are you shouting out? So this week I'm shouting out the Taylor Design Company. They are based in Atlanta, um, but they specialize in designing wedding invitation suites, um, as well as, you know, anything that you need, you know, like stationary wise, they do monograms, they do save the date cards, RSVP and detail cards, thank you cards. They do it all. If you are in need of a graphic designer, or someone just to help you flush out, you know, some ideas of how to make your wedding unique, definitely look them up. Um, you can find them on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and you can also email them at the Tailored Design Co. Good, good, good. Okay, so TMZ, where can people find you, follow you if they want to buy your book, if they want to like read your blog? Um, where where can they do that? Definitely. So I'm on Instagram, Zanathia underscore antiques. Um, definitely do want to look at the type of um, content that I put up, which is like a lot of Victorian photography, Black people and, you know, antique jewelry. I post that. Also, um, a lot of updates about my book and my own personal photo collection. There's an Athea underscore antiques is one of my main social media pages. I'm also um, on Facebook. So Nathia Antique Jury is I also post some of the same content there. I also have my own website called ZanathiaJury.com where I have a blog section called the Historic Preservation section where I talk about different styles of, you know, antique jewelry, where there's like art deco, the, the difference between, you know, certain styles and different periods. So if you guys are really interested in learning about different characteristics of antique jewelry and what influenced it, I have a blog section. Also, as an antique jewelry, I sell uh, my antique jewelry there. And I also have my book for sale at ZanathiaJury.com, my Hidden Legacies book, African Presence in European Antiques. My upcoming book is going to be on Valentine's Day. It's when it's going to be released. Thank you, my Unsung Portraits book, Z-A-N-A-T-H-I-A, the jury, J-E-W-E-L-R-Y.com. So ZanathiaJury.com. Yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, gosh, you've given us so much information. And I thank you again for coming on. I feel like we'll probably reach out again to have like, to learn more just about, you know, Black people in that period, and especially in the Victorian period, because we don't, we don't see a lot of that. um, And we don't know a lot of that. So thank you again for coming on and like, just giving us a lot of information that we probably just didn't have beforehand. No, thank you. I really appreciate it. Like I was so excited and honored when you ladies allowed me to just be a guest. And I just say what you're doing is very important too. And I really appreciate it and like the content and everything. So thank you so much for that. And I I would love to definitely talk to you guys more about it because 
like, I feel like it's so much to talk about, with, whether it's with, like, we were talking about the jury, the antique photography, just everything. But I really appreciate you guys for having me on the show. Thank you. Thank you. If you ever wanted to find anyone that has ever been shouted out on this show and all 300 plus wedding vendors that have been shouted out, which is a wild to even think of, but you will be able to find them on find.huidu.com. So if you don't remember what we said, or you're listening to an episode later and you want to look that person up, or maybe you don't remember how to spell their name or what have you, you can always go there and easily find them. So just a little mental note. But Tania, where can people find us? You can find us on huidu.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, TikTok. And you can find Ashley at Demi Tosh on Instagram and Twitter. And you can find me at Belle Story on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you again. We'll be back. See y'all next week.